Hey guys, this is Naeem, and you've reached the Mosaic Church podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community, and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there, and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy. Are we living out a story that's worth telling? It's not the prodigal son. It's the prodigal God. God is extravagant when it comes to us. I don't know if we've realized how much grace and mercy we've been given. What I'm about to do this weekend is going to change the world. Good morning. How are we doing this Mother's Day? We good? We good? All right. Well, welcome those of you who are joining online as well. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. So, yeah, it is. It is. And all the, to all the moms out there, we love you. We love you. We love you. Yes. Give it up. Okay, you guys are not excited about that. Are you guys like, we're done clapping. We're done clapping. The moms are like, we're just tired. We're tired. Can't do this. You can't do this. But can we give it up for all the ladies, though, in the house? Like, all the ladies. All, all the ladies. All the single ladies. All right, okay. So, right, right, all right. I also, I noticed something, that I had put a Halls, uh, like a thing in my mouth, and it's in my mouth right now. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Well, hey, uh, so I know that this uh, this weekend is going to be like, this service is going to be special for a lot of people. I mean, we're dedicating some babies here. We're doing that. We might be baptizing some dads. No, probably won't. We won't. We won't. But uh, it's going to be exciting for some of us. But for others of us, it's going to be tough. You know, it's, it's one of those. And for those of you who are watching online, maybe you're one of those. You know, you're like, I just don't want to be in this presence. I don't want to be in this place right now. Mother's Day is rough. Mother's Day is tough. And I get that. I get that. Uh, but I do want to say is, is that I want to celebrate and honor women, uh, especially moms. And uh, I know it's a really great uh, weekend uh, for, for us as a, as a family. Uh, so I just want to sh- allow you to just kind of share in our joy. Uh, our kids are here. Like, you know, you got Asher back from college. We're excited about that. And here's why. Here's why. Because this is the best Mother's Day gift for Ashley. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Well, right there. Right there. It's ridiculous. And this is not like Instagram family. This is actually real. This is happening. Okay, this is not, we don't fake it. It's, it's so funny, though. We were, we were there during worship, and I got back there, and I saw my t- uh, phone, and um, Asher texted me during worship just a minute ago. And he was like, hey, Dad, you and I should lead worship. And I was like, so he's got all the talent, and I don't know what I'm going to do, but Father's Day, let's do it. It's all Father's Day. So it's happening. Father's Day, we're leading worship. It's it's going to be Bollywood style, just so you know. Just so you know. All right, well, let me do this. Let me just honor um, my mom a little bit. And just the fact that um, 
it's the fact of not that she is, uh, she's an amazing woman, but uh, she's, she's going to teach us a lot about our faith. And my mom is a Muslim, devout Muslim, Sunni Muslim woman. And uh, can, you show you a pic? can I show you a picture of her? Okay, those of you who might not know, this is my sweet mom. We're going to put her on the screen. Look at that. Look at that. She's in her happy place in the kitchen. She really does. She loves to cook. That's her thing. This is Mama Fazl for you Americans. Or, and it's Amiji for all the Pakistanis and Indians in the house, all right? Which there are none. There are no Pakistanis. There are no Pakistanis in the house. There are a few Indians because they're everywhere. But uh, yeah, there's no, there's no. So my, uh, can I just talk about my mom a little bit? So she's a Pakistani woman, a Pakistani woman. And uh, her mom died when she was a teenager. Um, she, uh, because of that in her large family, uh, she was one of those who was chosen not to go to school. So she has no education, never went to school at all. But she had a heart to learn, you know. Uh, early, uh, right after teenage years, she got married to uh, her cousin, her first cousin. Because in Pakistan, that's what they do. It's arranged marriage. That's just how uh, they roll back then. And then when she got married, um, she got married uh, and her husband, my dad, left and was gone for two years. Uh, she was, he was there for two weeks. He was gone for two, two years. And uh, um, he, he went to Kuwait to start a life there and for us to actually end up migrate there. But he started his life there. She got pregnant. She got pregnant uh, and uh, had her first child, my older brother, uh, without anyone, without her dad, mom, no one took care of her. In fact, the story is that she told her, uh, her uh, brother-in-law to just take her to the uh, hospital, and she came out of the hospital with, uh, with, uh, with my brother. So it's kind of an interesting life that she's lived. And then, right after that, she moved from her childhood family uh, and country to Kuwait. And Kuwait is an Arab world, um, it's a different language. And she goes in, and she leaves all her childhood friends, family, and goes to a foreign country called Kuwait. And there she has four more kids, us. Uh, we have two bro- I have two brothers, two sisters. Um, and so we started, uh, started um, just living life there. And she cooked almost every day, if not every. Honestly, she cooked every day. Um, but she loved to sew. And so she started sewing, and then she started sewing her own clothes. She, didn't, she refused to shop. Uh, she would sew her own stuff. And she got extremely good at that. And then uh, when her older son was able to graduate high school, uh, and it's already tough, I can see that in Ashley's eyes, uh, to see Asher go to a college, she allowed her firstborn, her son, to go to the U.S., not just leaving town, but leaving the country. And so he leaves, and I can only imagine the pain that feels that she felt. And then, um, and then, uh, the war takes place. Uh, she goes through a war. Kuwait gets occupied uh, and then finally liberated. And man, in the middle of that, she is just wrestling all kinds of things. Um, major conflict, emotional, uh, psychological, just so many things happening there. And then right after that, her second born, me, gets a chance to come to the U.S. And so, yeah, she lets me go to the U.S. And I just want to let you know, when I went to the U.S., I didn't have a college application my dad was like, hey, I got you a tourist visa. Don't come back. Yeah. So those of you immigrants, that was the plan. The, the, dad was like, I don't care what you do. Just don't come back. And I remember hugging her and leaving her. I can just imagine what she was feeling. But then after that, um, after that, her daughter gets accepted to a college in the U.S. again. A Pakistani, Pakistani a woman. 
uh, and she decides that my, her daughter was going to be the first in our entire family to go to college, because she never even stepped into a school, but then her daughter was also actually going to go to the U.S. And that sends shockwaves in our families. Have you ever made a decision, have made a decision and sent shockwaves in your family? Like it just, it just said a whole different message. And then the family started talking. Her, uh, and we have a huge family. She's got nine brothers and sisters. I mean, they're, they've got multiple. So then they began asking, okay, okay, hold on. So you've got this, you've got uh, two boys and you've got three girls, so we're going to arrange marriage them, right? So we're going to be, so then they begin to call for that I was going to marry a particular cousin. And growing up, I knew I was going to marry a particular cousin, or I was supposed to. And my mom said, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. And that hurt the family. They're like, oh, what? And then my mom, my mom, not my dad, my mom decided that she was not going to put us while we were in, uh, in teenagers. We, the education we were going to get was not going to be in Pakistani schools. She was like, we're going to go to Indian schools. Now, I don't know what, if you know about Indians and Pakistanis. They don't like each other. <laughs> so there's, my, my cousins were mortified. They were like, I'm sorry, you, you, you're sending them, sending them to the, the, the enemies? School? Like, we're fighting them even now. Countries are still fighting. My passport cannot, or as a Pakistani, I, can, I can't go to India, even now. Even now. So she puts us in that school. So I just want you to know the, 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 the audacity of this, of this woman. And then she comes here. She comes here, and we start settling. And then she goes, okay, we're settled here, sort of. But then her second son, me, I take her out for a walk one day. And I give her the most, most traumatic, scarring news that a mom could ever hear. And I tell her that her kids, that she has prayed all these prayers for and raised all throughout these years, are leaving their Muslim faith and following Jesus. And I can't tell you the heartbreak. I mean, I wounded her deeply, deeply that day. I still remember the scene. Oh my gosh. And fast forward, all her kids are not Muslim. All of them are Christians. And she is the only one that's Muslim. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I was like, yeah, it is amazing. But in a Christian context, it's amazing. If you were all Muslims, It wouldn't just be horrific. It would be like, you're a terrible mom. See, in, in spreading the good news of Jesus, I forgot that that was awful news for her because she failed as a mom every step of the way. And so now that I'm beginning to see this, I'm like, wow, how is this woman still functioning? How she has still a smile in her face? Then her husband passed away. She comes and settles in the U.S., again, another foreign country. She's been to already one. She comes here, and then she has to learn this thing called English. <laughs> and she's so persistent, she was like, I'm going to take night classes. So she began to take night classes to learn English. And I'm like, wow, this, she is, I'm, I'm like, uh, the, the tenacity of this woman. Oh, my goodness keeps on going. I'm like, you're going to, she's like, yeah. And then she said, I want to start my own business. I was like, okay, what, what? A tech company? What are we thinking here? Like what's happening, mom? She's like a sewing business. And friends, she's been 
have, she's, a, she's an entrepreneur, and she's been sewing, and she's like, I don't even know, 76, 77 right now. And uh, she's still sewing. She has her own company, in a sense. She's still doing that. But then, but then, 9-11 took place. I don't know if you guys remember 9-11. 9-11 takes place, and we're all good. Like, the siblings, we're all good. We're all legal. Like, we all, our immigration stuff is all good. But she, out of all the people in her family, everybody's here. Mom and dad. Mom is here. She's here. I'm sorry, dad's here. She's here. The kids are settled. Everything is good. 9-11 happens, and the, obviously, the world goes crazy. U.S. loses its mind. And, uh, and I get it. I mean, it was a pretty horrific thing. But then they found a technicality in her whole immigration thing, and they deported her. And I'm not just saying they deported her. I'm saying they, take a t- they, they had an agent escort her all the way to make sure on a flight sitting with her to make sure she left the country. And I was like, my, dad, my mom a criminal. What? Wow. I mean, she's a little thug, but seriously. <laughs> I was like... I was like, why is my tax money paying for another agent to go and take this anyways? And she's gone. And one year passes and two years passes. And now it's three years and no end in sight. And I go in there undercover as a Christian pastor. Shh, no one knows. And I go in and try to get her out. And that's a whole story. But then she makes it back. She does make it back. She makes it back and she begins to see life happen. And and right after she comes here and things are going good, um, her daughter's husband dies. Her daughter's husband dies suddenly of a heart attack on the anniversary of her husband dying. Right? I'm like, Mom, you should drink. Like, I mean, like what? Like, like what? This, like, how are you carrying all of this? Now, I don't know about you, but, but I just think that a lot of women have this ability to carry, carry so much weight. Like you, like, I don't know if you realize it, like, I think guys, and I'm, I'm making these broad generalizations, I get that. But guys like to be, hold the weight and, and flex. But women end up just holding a lot of weight and making it look light. Because you carry it for a long time. And I don't know how you do it, because it's just not my mom. I think there's a lot of women. There are a lot of women who just carry so much. Some of you are carrying the entire weight of your family emotionally. And people are like, why are you crazy? Uh, (laughs) You know what? What? Some of you are carrying the weight of not just your family, but extended family spiritually. You're just carrying it spiritually. And you're burdened. You're burdened. You're burdened. You, you move towards more spiritual things, and people are like, oh, I mean, calm down, relax. And you're like, you're, no, no, you, you don't know what I'm carrying. Some of you are carrying so much stuff just psychologically. It's not just your trauma, but other people's trauma. You've seen loved ones, and the problem is sometimes maybe just, it's just me as a guy. I can, I, can just, I can forget other people's stuff, but you don't. You keep it, and you keep it close, and you don't let go. I'm not saying you guys are stubborn. I know my mom is. 
But stubbornness becomes a very spiritual thing when you use it in prayer, doesn't it? And you just hold on and hold on. And here, this morning, is, this is not a message of, hey, drop the weight. I'm saying, please carry it. Because if you don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm saying, don't quit. I'm saying, you have the ability to. You have so much more grip strength, more than guys do. We just let go. We're like, ah. <laughs> we can't. Have you seen a guy sick? Oh, come on. <laughs> right? I mean, not me, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to carry this, to carry it and carry it. So can I take you to a passage of scripture and show you why Jesus was convinced that if, the whole, if this movement was going to make any traction, it was going to have to be on the shoulders, on the strength of women. Because I don't know you know this, because as we interpret the scriptures, we find that there's just so many stories about guys. But there are so many significant things that Jesus did, in particular, um, especially for women, and not just for them, to gave them this burden to carry. Like if you just read the stories, the first one found out that Jesus was risen from the grave. Last week, if you were there, the woman, a woman was the first one to, to realize that Jesus was going to die. And she was going to anoint him before he was going to be killed. And so there's countless stories of Jesus going, okay, I need to tell you this. I need you to tell this. Do you even know historically women funded Jesus' ministry? Yeah. It was women. The dudes were like broke, young, dumb, and broke. But they were like, the women were like, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to cover this. We're going to cover this. We're going to cover this. We're going to take care of this. They funded his trips. It's ridiculous. So this story right here is obviously about a woman. And this story is one of those that um, I think some people, I think maybe even Ashley's like, I don't like this story. And I don't like this story either. I'm with you. But this brings so much honor to women. And here's the thing. It shows us the kind of faith that we need to have. And this story is one of those, if you've ever heard this before, you're like, is this really in the Bible or are you making this up? Like, what's happening? Because everybody has a picture of Jesus and it's mostly good, right? We're like, Jesus, he's my homie. He's good. He's a good guy. Good guy. Good guy. He's particular with his words. He's always in a good, good uh, attitude most of the time. All right. So let's, let's just read the story here. It starts off, it says in, in Matthew 15, leaving that place. Now, that place was a more Jewish place. There was a lot of, uh, uh, it, was, uh, it was a place that was a lot of uh, religious people there. But he left, and he was doing a lot of ministry there. So he withdrew. It says Jesus withdrew to a region of Ty and Sidon. A Canaanite, can you say Canaanite, please? Canaanite. Woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me that my daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus, what does it say here? Jesus what? Did not answer a word. Did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She, is, she keeps crying out after us. Like, like what, what? Like they're like annoyed. He answered, uh, I was sent only for the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, please, no, sorry, Lord, help me, she said. She, he, she, he replied, it is not right 
to take the children's bread and toss it to the... Whoa. Bro. Like, I'm sure Peter, you're like, hey, what are we doing? What do we just call her? Did you just insinuate something? What's happening here? And then she says, yes. Yes. Yeah. It is. It, yes, it is, Lord. Um, she said, even the dogs, though, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed in that moment. Now, there's so many interpretations of this, but let's get into the scene. Let's set up the scene. Jesus is, 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 uh, is going to a place 50 miles away from basically where he's been doing ministry. He's not trying to get away. He's just going there intentionally. What we realized in these stories is that Jesus is extremely intentional with us, not random. So he knows why he's going. He knows where he's going. He knows what's going to happen. He's led by the Spirit. I'm not quite sure if he knew exactly what was going to happen or the woman or whatever, but he's there. He does know this, that if someone was going to come up to him, it was going to be a Canaanite woman. Canaanites had history with Jewish people, serious history. If you know Old Testament stuff, the, when uh, Abraham went and they were going and they were going to get the land of Canaan. Yeah, they have, this was historical conflict going on here. So this region was where those guys ended up hanging out after the Jewish people kind of took over everything. So he goes there in particular. He knows he's going to interact with, with someone there. So he knows that there is... Again, history. And then this woman comes to him and says, my daughter is demon-possessed. Now, I don't know about you, but this woman comes, not a mom, sorry, not a husband and wife. The, the mom comes. I just want you to know that this is not a parable. This is a real story. Which means is that this mom has gone through years and years and years of seeing her daughter lose her mind. And I don't know if you, if you know this, but I've seen i've talked to people who who man something gets inside of them and i did youth ministry and and uh back in the day and i saw kids something happened and they began to change and change and then there was this this deep sense of like i'm not worthy and i hate myself and then they began to do some things that are just so destructive so horrific and in our modern world we know that there is this huge pressure with social media, this huge anxiety when it comes to so many things. And our kids are, I mean, just bombarded with this sense of like, you are not worthy and you need to confine or you need to be defined or you need to be this and you're not good enough and you're just not enough. And our kids are hearing it, hearing it. And for some of us, we've seen our kids just lose themselves. So if you can't relate to demon-possessed, maybe you can. You're like, my daughter is actually, you know? But others of us, we're like, oh, I, this hits home. So I just want you to know there's so much emotion when he, she comes. She's not like, hey, hey, my husband's sick and he won't shut up. Could you just heal him? No, this is my daughter who I have seen. I can't even bring her to you because I cannot control her. She is losing her mind. I'm, I, I can't, I, I'm living with this. I've been living with this for so long. And everybody has given up. I've been carrying this weight for so long. Everybody's given up. Yeah, my husband's not even here with me. 
There was one chance to come, and I knew, I knew that you were Jewish. I knew you were Jewish. I knew it. You're a rabbi, and we're Canaanites. We're not, we're not into you guys. But I just had to come. Why? Because I've been carrying this weight of my daughter. She's losing herself. She's not just passing away. She is destructive. See, it's one thing to just lose someone to death. There's another thing to lose someone to destruction. Because it's a long process of just pain and worry and sleepless nights. And you're just, oh God, it's weighing and weighing and weighing on me. And she's like, everybody else has left, but I'm holding on to this. And I'm coming to you and I'm saying, please, Lord, I'm calling you Lord. I know I'm Canaanite. I'm just calling you Lord. Could you please do something? So it's in, the, it's in that moment, Jesus doesn't say one word. Doesn't say one word. Now, I just want you to know that sometimes spiritually, that's what happens. You're like, God, 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 God. And then the heavens are just, hello? Like, you talking to me? What's going on? I just poured my heart out to you. I just told you, oh, you're not, you're not, you're not even looking at me. And this context Basically, he's seated somewhere with disciples around. She comes and she is calling out. She's not next to him. She's calling out initially. And he doesn't say anything. Everybody can hear her. The disciples come to him and go, hey, could you please tell her? Why couldn't they tell her? You know why? Because when you meet a woman who is so persistent to get to talk to someone or do something, you're like, get out of the way. Oh, I don't want to deal with that. Oh, she is going to get in this room. This is happening. Like, watch out, world. And you know, some of you ladies are giggling. Some of you guys know your moms. You know your wives. You're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And she's in the story. She is that woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one else can tell her. I've got to tell other people, please tell her to do something. So they come to like, Jesus, why don't you tell her? He can hear her, but he's not saying anything. And then he just says something. I just want you to know, when he says, he says, I was not sent to the lost sheep of Israel. He didn't say it to her. He just said it. And when he said that, he brought up the past. He brought up all the history of those Canaanite people. So, I just, so here's what's profound. What happens is, is that when you pour your heart and when you have something and you've been carrying it for so long and you, and you are praying and praying and praying and heaven is quiet, instantly what's going to happen is there's going to be a remembrance, a memory of the past that's going to pop up. And for some of you, ladies, you're praying for something and here's why you think you're not getting an answer. You know this. It's because you go, God's punishing me because of my past. I'm, I can't have this because of what I did in my 20s, 30s, whatever. Uh, this is happening because of my past, isn't it? Jesus is quoting something. He's quoting Deuteronomy. He's not having a conversation. He's saying some statements to make her and let other people know I'm bringing up the past. We're in Canaan, night uh, region here. I'm bringing up something that the enemy would always bring up. That's what's going to happen all the time. The past is going to come up when heaven is quiet. And so this is just, it's happening. This is, this is amazing. Je Jesus is bringing something out of her and teaching his people about this, the disciples. And then the woman basically came and knelt before him. So she basically like, get out of my way. Get out of my way. 
Okay, get out. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've seen Pakistani women. Oh my gosh. Moms, when they're intense, they're intense. They're like, get out of my way. I don't care if I'm not supposed to be here. I'm doing this. So she comes and she is now right close to him. This is where a conversation actually starts happening. And then she's right next to him, kneels down close to him. And then, and then she says, Lord, help me. At this point, Jesus is looking into her eyes. She's looking at him. And then, and then he says to her, but he's quoting Old Testament stuff. He's bringing up stuff. He's like, but isn't it not right? To take the children's bread and give it to the dogs? Like, I want to bring this faith. But isn't it true, though, that all this time we used to believe that this is not supposed to be done? And then she responds, yes, it is. Because here's why. They're talking Old Testament. They're not having a conversation. They're bringing up stuff. And basically he's saying, he's commending her in those. She's like, he's like, you know your history. You know your stuff. And then she says, yes, yes, it is. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And if you can't, you can't make it smooth. You can't smooth this over. You know, oh, it's not a dog. It's a little dog. It's a puppy. No. No, I don't care if it's a cute dog. It's still a dog. It's an unruly animal. That's the word used there. Because they used to call Canaanite people that name. So right here, Jesus is like this, like he, she, he is bringing up and revealing and exposing the great faith that she has. It's huge. It's so big. So much. And then he looks at her and goes, woman, because now they're having a conversation. Now she's close. And she looks at her and she says, woman, you have great faith. Like great faith. Like I have seen your faith. You have gritty faith. It is like your, I just want to tell you, you have this faith that I'm talking about. Like, I'm, I'm, in that moment, she was, he was like, I see you. I see that you've been lonely in holding this weight for so long. No one understands. You have great faith. Man, people have let go. You have great faith. And if I could use another word, it would be gritty faith. You have this gritty faith about you that does not let go. And he goes, you have great faith. Do you know how many people, how many men, how many other people Jesus has looked to them into their eyes, been close and said, you have great faith in all the recorded uh, testaments that we have? Zero. This is the only time. The only other place that Jesus has ever said great faith, he it was not talking to a person. He was talking about a person and it would happen to be another Gentile person, a centurion. But the only person he has looked and said, you have great faith. Not connected to your healing. You, you are resilient. You are persistent. You are, the, you are the example of what we need. This is it. Great faith. The disciples are like, what? I mean, I think I have pretty good faith. No. Peter's like, I walked on water. Well, barely. <laughs> and it was all about you back then. But she's been holding on for so long. So I just want to say, 
to us who are not moms or women. I just want to say we, we need to learn this from women. There is a reason Jesus left so many important things to, to women. They, they, they seem to be the foundation of so many things. So many things. A religious man walks up to Jesus and he goes, hey, 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 he's a Pharisee. And he goes, hey, I just, I've, you're, you've done some amazing things. I just want to know, like this, this spiritual life that you're talking about, that what, how can I attain this spiritual life? And Jesus says, you must be born again. And the guy says, Nicodemus says, ah, what does that mean? I can't be born again. He's like, he's like you have to be, like, spiritually, you have to die and you have to be born again. And he says, what the, the, the spirit breathes or bursts a spiritual life. And right there, Nicodemus, who is entrenched in this hierarchy, entrenched in this system of like just a male-dominant society, Pharisees, women were not Pharisees, uh, hears something that blows his mind. Jesus says that the Spirit is, is, um, is the one who's going to birth your spiritual life. It blew his mind. That the Spirit of God, even the Holy Spirit, Ruach, is female. That is a female word. And so I don't know what you think and what you've grown up, but I just want you to know that there's something so profound in understanding uh, that women have this anointing, this burden, of course, this this tenacity, this, this calling, they're wired up. The female spirit is so wired up that it can carry and hold on and hold on and still going. It's the most creative spirit out there. It, it bursts things that, that have been dead before. So if you find yourself wanting to give up, mom, if you find yourself, if you're a lady here, right here, I just want you to know, don't give up. You were wired up. You were wired up in such a way that we would never will begin to understand. And I just want us, all of us, to have this sense of a holy envy towards you. And we're like, we want to be like that. We want to hold on to people like that. So today, as we end, man, ladies, could you please, could you please keep holding on to this? I know you're like, really? I mean, don't get on a scale with this. Just saying, hold on to it. Could you hold on? Because we need you to. And honestly, we can't. And I'm not saying you want to take on our burdens. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you don't need to shed unhealthy spiritual, emotional, psychological weight. I'm not saying that, please. I'm not saying that. I am saying, though, there's, there's stuff that you're carrying, and you're like, I don't, no one sees me carrying this. I know. I don't see you carrying it. But he does. He, he looks at you and says, you have great, great faith. And you can keep doing it. You can keep carrying it. You're, you have it inside of you. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm broken. I want to give up. I'm, I want to, I wanna... please don't let people, the past, cultural norms define and confine you to who you were created to be. Please don't let us tell you what you can and cannot do. Please 
Allow the Spirit of God to look at you and say, you, you have great faith. And this faith will burst things, will heal things, will set people free. So I want to pray for, for you. I want to honor you. And I want to thank you. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Would you uh, close your eyes for a minute? And if you would, if you would, if you, if, could you just, with your hands, just make a fist. Just make a fist. And allow God's Spirit to just speak to you and this fist is things that you were thinking of giving up on. But this fist, as you tighten this fist, you're saying that I know that God's spirit is in me. I know that people might not understand and I might find myself extremely lonely as I go through this season in my life but I'm holding on. I'm holding on. I am not letting go. And if the world wants to bring up the past, if the world and if in my own thoughts bring, wants to bring up my worthlessness, whatever it might be, whatever it might be, I'm holding on to God's promises. I'm holding on to God's peace. I'm holding on to God's favor in my life. I'm holding on to my people. I'm not letting go of my people. God, I thank you. That is, the women and the ladies of our community hold on and come together and strengthen one another they begin to set the foundation of the future of our church. So God, I pray their resistance, their persistence, their strength would become our strength, God. And that they would create the future that you have for Mosaic. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.